Welcome to the Kingdom Community Podcast. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on earth. Now, enjoy today's show. Come on, let's not be spectators. Let's be participants. Right where you are. Why don't you lift your hands? And I want you to concentrate on Jesus. And what I want you to concentrate on is to not see your need, but to see him as he is. He is the ruling, reigning monarch of this universe. John, the apostle, was on the mountain of transfiguration. And for a brief moment, his glory was restored unto him. And he, James, and John saw Jesus and Moses and Elijah. And they said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. And he said, let us make for you and for Elijah, for Moses, tabernacles. And God interrupted that foolishness and said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Don't put him on par with anybody else. But then after his ascension, when he was enthroned, where God said that your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom, the Bible said that John turned to see the voice that was speaking to him. And he turned and saw Jesus. And he fell like a dead man. Because he was not just the crucified Christ. He was not just the risen Lord. But he was the enthroned king of this universe. Now see your problem in light of who's on the throne. And he's there at the throne interceding on for your behalf, ever living to make intercession for you. I tell you, those things will begin to shrink in their formidability. Amen. So right now, why don't you give Jesus your praise because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I, 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 I really, I just met your pastor this weekend, but I think I love that man. <laughs> and his wife will pray heaven and earth plumb together. Amen. What a dynamic couple. Amen. Amen. You ought, you ought to honor your gifts and cherish them, which I know you do, but make sure that you do that. Now, I know that this train is supposed to take off and this plane is supposed to land by 10.30, right? All right? All right, so I need to... I need... <laughs> I need to pour a quart in a pint as far as this message is concerned. How many were here yesterday morning? How many were not here yesterday morning? 
or the majority, so I have to uh, instruct you on how we're going to do this this morning. This is a participatory sermon. Amen? I'm not going to just be preaching. You're going to help me preach. Amen? Now, some of y'all already looking at me like a frog in the hailstorm. You're batting your eyes at me. If I say, say man, you're going to say what? Amen. All right. And if I'm preaching good and you want me to keep going, what you supposed to say? Say on. say on, pastor. All right. Now, yesterday I started a message entitled, uh, The Call of the Hour. And I've been trying to weave today's message into that. But I don't think in the time that I have allotted that I'm going to be able to do uh, as much as I wanted to do to weave them together. So I suggest that you go just review the first session and it'll make sense to you. Amen? I don't have time to do a classic review like I normally do. Amen? Because again, I am the local and the express is about to come through. And that is Apostle Glenn Blakeney. So I want to get off the track and let the express run through. Amen. Now, I want to talk to you about a subject. It's called world changers. World changers. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of St. John. Then I'm going to open up in a word of prayer. Hallelujah. I feel such a freedom here. Amen. That I can obey God. All right. You got John 3? It's real easy to find. Turn the book of Acts and go west one block. Amen. Turn to the book of Luke and go east one block. Or turn to the table of contents. All right, let me pray. Father, we come before you this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I feel like the Apostle Paul, that it's not him that wills or him that runs, but it's God that shows mercy. And so in my weakness, God, it's not about my articulation. It's not about my ability to craft a sermon. It's not about my ability to preach. It's about the Holy Spirit's enablement. And so I trust him to give me utterance today. So Father, I pray that I might decrease, that he might increase. I pray that he rises and he lives big within me, that he would anoint these lips of clay and think through my mind so that as I open my mouth to speak, that he would do the teaching. I pray, Heavenly Father, that your people will be infused with the heart of God and not the mind of a man. I pray in the name of Jesus for the anointing, for the Holy Spirit has been sent to reveal and to unveil the word of God to our hearts. And I pray that the eyes of their understanding would be illuminated so that they might be flooded with light. And I pray that as they are understanding what your word is saying to us, that we would, by the grace of God, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because doers of the word are winners in life. And so I also thank you for the matchless name of Jesus. 
and our legal right to use that name against the enemy that would try to circumvent the flow of your anointing. We bind his activity now and declare that your will will be done. We declare thus and so in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, say amen. Say amen again. Now, John 3, very famous and very popular passage of scripture. But it's amazing to me is that the ones that are the most familiar are the ones that are the most misunderstood many times. Because we read over scripture and don't really see the import of what God is saying. Look at John 3.14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, if you were with us yesterday, you would learn that that word eternal life there is the word zoe. Zoe is the quality of life. It is the life of God that has not been created. It cannot be extinguished or conquered. It will absolutely uh, uh, rouse demons. It will melt cancer. It will even raise the dead. The Bible says that death is swallowed up of Zoe. My God. So he's saying that because eternal life is what everybody has. I hope you know that. Huh? Whether you're saint or sinner, you got eternal life. In other words, you're going to live forever somewhere. Now, Zoe determines whether you spend it with God or absent from God. Amen. So he says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Now did you notice in just those two verses that the word world was mentioned four times? Did you see that? All of them come from the same Greek word and that word is the word cosmos. Now the word cosmos is, is a word that represents the orderly arrangement of the universe, which includes the in inhabitants and the systems in which they live. The orderly arrangement of the universe. We get our word cosmetology from it because with cosmetology, a woman orderly arranges her face. She puts on the foundation and the rouge and the eyeliner and whatever else she wants to put on her face. Some of y'all know what I'm look, talking about. Amen. Some of these women in here, they don't need makeup. All these beautiful women at this church here, they don't need makeup. Somebody say, pray the Lord. Amen. You can't improve on perfection. All right. So, so it represents the cosmos. And notice what he said about it. He says, number one, God so loved the cosmos that he gave. And then he said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. God does not want the cosmos condemned. Oh, man, I don't want to get into that, but that is so rich. Because we think that God is only concerned with people but God is also concerned with systems also. Amen? 
I'm going to show you that in just a minute. God is concerned about government because he established it. God is concerned about the family because he established it. God is concerned about the educational uh, system. He established a, a, a method whereby you would teach your children. It used to be that the church had, or the assembly of God had responsibility of teaching their children. Amen. All right. And then he says that he sent his son into the world to save it. So how many would agree that God sent Jesus to save the cosmos? Would you agree with that? Can I get an amen? amen? All right, all right, all right. Are you sure? All right. Y'all know I'm setting you up right. Okay, all right, just wanted to know. Now, the other word, listen to me now very carefully, the other word that's translated world predominantly in the New Testament is the word aeon. We get our word eon from it, and it represents an age or a period of time. And the Bible says, listen to me now, it says that Satan is the god of this world or this age. So during this period of time, oh my, during this age in which we live, Satan has been designated as the God of this age. Amen? And as the God of this age, he has influence over the cosmos. Because Jesus called him the prince of the world. In three different parts, in John 12, 31, in the 16th chapter and the 14th chapter of John, he called Satan the prince of the cosmos. And 1 John chapter 5 says that the whole cosmos lies in wickedness. Are you all listening to me? So here's the deal. Let me back up a little bit and then I'm going to get into the nitty gritty and then I'll be out of your way. Amen? This is so critical that I make this statement. First of all, Satan has a kingdom. Did you not know that? And the way I know that is that Jesus was casting out a devil in Luke chapter 11, and they accused Jesus of casting out the devil by Beelzebub, who was the prince of devils. And Jesus said, if I'm casting out Beelzebub by the prince of devils, you ought to rejoice, because every kingdom divided against itself shall be brought to desolation. And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, know that the devil's kingdom is brought to desolation. So Jesus identifies the devil as having a kingdom. Amen? So that kingdom was in operation before Jesus came. You out there, you're going home. Can you say amen? Okay, because I, I, I can't see the whites of your eyes, okay? I need to make sure it's registered because I'm going to say something. Now, here's the deal. The kingdom was in existence. A kingdom is a realm where a ruler or a monarch has authority or influence over a territory and over a citizenry that's called subjects. And these subjects carry out his laws and his decrees. 
And there's also a system of life that governs the commerce and the politics and the beliefs and the morality and the culture of the subjects within this kingdom. So there is a system of life, there are subjects in the system, and there is a ruler of the system. You got it? Amen? Now I need you all to think with me because I got two things I need you to think about. Number one, what would you think about people who lived in a building that was dilapidated? Come on, Bishop Nelson. Say on. That this building was an eyesore to the community, but it was a hazard. It was dangerous. So the, so the citizens of that community went and filed a petition in court. And so the court went out and had an inspection of the building. And they determined the building to be unsafe to live in. And they set a date for that building to be torn down. And the inhabitants of the building refused to leave even though it didn't have running water, even though it was dangerous, even though it was set for destruction, they still could not see themselves living in another facility, even though one has been provided for them. This is God's word to his people. Jesus said in John 12, 31, he said, now is the judgment of this world. That word judgment is a word that means not only a sentence, not only a conviction, but a sentence. So Jesus has already condemned the building, sentenced it, considers it to be unfit to live in, and set a date for its destruction. And there are people in the body of Christ that instead of coming into the kingdom of God and learning how to trust the benefits and the, uh, uh, the, the uh, 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 provisions of the kingdom of God, they are still so tied into a failing system So what God wants us to do is that we have to come out of the system of the world. Jesus said in John 17, Father, they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Why do we still let the world system, its morality, the way we handle our money, the way we raise our children, the way we handle our business, why do we let that system still influence the way we, I'm not talking about y'all, I'm talking about everybody else but y'all, amen? I'm not talking about LaBelle, because I know we got sanctified folks up in here, amen? But I'm talking about every other church, amen? Okay, now, so here's the deal, and this is what I really wanted to get to. There's a date for this age to end. And 
it's going to end. We're living in the last days. We're living in the last of the last days. I believe the last days began when Jesus entered into his public ministry and said the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has arrived. Repent and believe the good news. And then I believe that that will end this age is when Jesus returns, puts his foot on Mount Olive, splits it in two, and sets up his earthly kingdom in Jerusalem. And we will begin to see the birth of a new age where righteousness dwells. So what we're seeing in the world right now, all of these things that are happening are nothing more than birth pains. Like a woman that has birth pains when she's about to give birth to a baby. There is a new age that is about to be born. A new age where righteousness dwells. And so this is what we're experiencing right now. So our responsibility is to help those that are still in the world come out of the world into the kingdom of God. All right, now I'm finna pick up some steam. Are y'all ready for me now? Okay, now, I told y'all I was gonna set you up, didn't I? My question to you is this. Why did God send Jesus? To save the world. Y'all agree with that, right? All right. Now let me read John 17, 13 through 20, and then I got a couple of more scriptures, and then I'm going to end this, this, this message, hopefully on a high note. John 17, look at verse 13. He says, and now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world. This is John 17, 13. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy name, thy word, and the world hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray that thou shouldest not take them out of the world, come on, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil of the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Now watch this, he said, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. If he sent Jesus to save the world, he said, Father, as you sent me, I've sent them. Look at your neighbor next to you and say, I'm a deliverer. Y'all didn't say that with any conviction. Yeah, I'm a deliverer. Listen. Let me, let me give you a couple of scriptures. Hopefully this will, this will help you see what I'm saying. In Mark 16, I, I, many times we don't see this, but in Mark 16, 15, it says that Jesus appeared to the 11 and he upbraided them for their unbelief. And then Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news. He's sending you into the world. 
And we are to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, that there is a kingdom that has arrived. There is a king that is the ruling reigning monarch of this universe. He is the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and he doesn't bless you with cancer and sickness and disease and misery. And his name is Jesus. Amen? So here's the deal. He sent you into the world. Now, let me give you another example. Do you all remember when God told Moses, I have heard the misery of my people, and I've seen the affliction of those that are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters? Did you all hear that? And then he said, I have come down to deliver them. But then the next thing you see, he said, but I'm sending you to Pharaoh. God said he came to deliver, but he sent Moses. Let me say that one more time. God said that he came to deliver, but he sent Moses. God is sending us, and he's going to deliver through us. God needs us. We are his emissaries in these last days. So in the last bit of time I got left, I want to talk about how we have been called to save the world. Okay? But I want you to do something for me real quickly because yesterday I talked about uh, how surrender is necessary for us to fulfill our destiny. Amen? Now, I, listen to me now. Hold on to your wallet because I ain't going to take it, but I want you to close your eyes real quick. <laughs> listen to me, honestly. And I want you to allow my words to paint picture for you. Pastor is a director of a unit in the Coast Guard. And this church are workers that work under his authority. Pastor's on the dock. And he peers out over his binoculars and he sees a boat capsized in the water. And it's about a thousand yards away from the base. So pastor puts in a clarion call for you all to get into your vessel so that you all can at breakneck speed motor to where that boat has been capsized and rescue those people who are perishing in the water. But about 300 yards from the base, you recognize that your vessel is taking water. And you all start bailing water as fast as you can, but as fast as you bail the water, more water is coming into your boat. And you call back to the base and say, Mayday, Mayday, we're in trouble. We're taking water. We need help. Mayday, Mayday. Now look at me. In that very moment, is your attention on the people that are perishing or is your attention on yourself? And that's what happens when the rescuers need to be rescued. We are to be in the world and not of the world like a boat is to be in the water and not of the water. But the water represents the world. And when the water starts to get into the boat, 
then the church loses its effectiveness. It loses its ability to rescue the perishing. That's why he told us to come out. He didn't say isolate, but he said come out and be separate. And once you're separate, I'm sending you back into the world. He says, Father, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil and the evil one. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Because as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. So he sent you into the world to save the world. But we cannot save them if we're still tied to the same accoutrements of the world that the world is hung up on. So how is he going to accomplish this? Can I give you one more scripture? Thank you, because I wasn't going to tell you nothing until you said say on. Look at John, uh, Matthew 13, real quickly. Mm, mm, mm. I have so much that I wanted to share, but I, I just think that this is what I need to share. Is that all right? Look at Matthew 13. Now, <laughs> one time I, I did this at my church. I heard a man of God do this, so I had to do it at mine. I gave all my people an index card, a three-by-five index card. And I told them to write down on the index card what you thought would be the purest essence of what Jesus' ministry and his calling was in the earth. I mean, just to, if you had to boil it down to one word or a phrase, not more than three words, what would you say was the total essence of what Jesus came to do and to accomplish? Only two people had the correct answer. I have things like redemption. Redemption is wonderful, and that's something that he accomplished but that was not the sine qua non. That was not the purest essence of it. I mean, something that's, that's, that's so critical to it that without it, it no longer becomes that thing. Like bread, I mean, cake without sugar is bread. Amen? Amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about? If you're going to have cake, you got to have sugar. You take the sugar out the cake, you got bread. And if you take this thing out of what Jesus was all about, you would miss him completely. And that is the kingdom of God. He came to proclaim the kingdom. He taught about the kingdom. He told us how you get entry into the kingdom. Everything. The sum total of everything he did was about the kingdom of God. Amen? So in this particular parable, he starts off teaching on the parable of the sower. And then he deals with different parables about how the kingdom of God could be compared. Then he tells one parable that the disciples hang on to even after 
the day is over. At the end of the day, they came back and said, please tell us the interpretation of this particular parable. Are you all ready for me? Oh, come on now. Watch this. Watch this. The parable was a parable of a man that sowed some good seed. And when he slept, some weeds grew up. And his workers said, what happened? And he said, my enemy sold them. And so his workers said, do you want us to pull up the weeds? He said, no, let them grow together. Because in pulling up some of the weeds, you might pull up some of the wheat. But just let them grow to the harvest time. And at the harvest, my workers will separate the weeds from the wheat. Y'all heard that one? So that was on their mind all day. And they came back to Jesus and asked him for his interpretation. Oh, my. Now, let's look at verse 36. How am I doing, Glenn? Am I okay? I'm doing okay? All right. Matthew 13. Look at 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away, and he went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field, or the weeds of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the weeds are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. Did you all see that? Oh, my, 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 my. Then he said, The harvest is the end of the world and the, or the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. Now notice what he said. I am the one that sows the good seed. The good seed represents the children of the kingdom. The weeds represents the children of the wicked one. And the one that sows them is the devil. But the key to the parable is where both of them are sown. The field is the world. Listen. You need to change your attitude about your job. That's what God has you planted. And your responsibility is to redeem that particular pillar by bringing the values of the kingdom and the joy of God into that particular pillar and redeem it. But what has happened is, is that we have murmured and complained so much about our job and we see our job only for the 13th and the 28th on payday and don't see that as a place where God has planted me, we have abdicated our responsibility and the devil has planted his people in those places and that's why these pillars are so corrupt today. See, he's putting his people in those places. And when you don't bring the values of the kingdom into that, then the Bible talks about when the foundations are being destroyed. 
the foundations of our society are being destroyed because the people of God don't understand their calling. Your calling, listen to me, what you do in this church is just housework. Your ministry is when you leave these four doors. Amen? This is just housekeeping. How many of you wash dishes at home? Amen. I hope everybody raised their hand. Unless you got a maid or something. Amen. But that's not your job, is it? You clean house and you leave your house and go out into the world and do your job. You come here and you get fed. And I love the way my brother uh, explains this, is that there was a scripture that says that uh, Jesus has given some for the perfecting of the saints. Well, that word perfecting is the same word used when it's talking about the root of that word when uh, Peter and James were mending their net. It's the same word to mend. So my job as a pastor is to prepare send you out and to repair you when you come back so I can send you back out. But Jesus said you are to go into the world and, and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom into wherever your job is. That is your mission field. That is where he's planted you. So you need to change your attitude. You need to get up early in the morning and rejoice and begin to pray over your environment. You need to act like you are a priest of Almighty God and get there early and begin to saturate the atmosphere with the presence of God. So those demon-possessed people, when they come in that place, will recognize that they entered into something that's bigger than themselves. I'll never forget, I'll never forget how God showed me that. I worked in the shelter one time and, and, and there was this guy, he was a rank sinner. And I was watching over some kids inside a room. I used to stay overnight. I was sitting outside the room, and there was a light outside the room, and I was reading my Bible. And can I just tell you all something? This is just an aside. This will help you. Worship is not a song. Can I tell you what worship really is? I ain't going to tell you until you... Right. Worship is when the human heart is impressed by the revelation of God. Whatever he reveals about himself, some aspect of who he is or what he has in himself. It causes my heart to be impacted by that. And my response is what I offer to God in response to what he has revealed. It could be the fruit of my lips. It could be the fruit of my hands as far as my offering. Or it could be the fruit of my life, my entire life offered to him. But you cannot worship God without an acceptable sacrifice. Do you all hear me? There was a situation when they were in Egypt. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but anyway... There's a situation in Egypt when, when Moses said, let my people go that they might worship the Lord. And, and, and Pharaoh said, well, worship over there uh, where you're at. He said, no, we can't do that because our worship requires an offering, a sacrifice. And sacrificing animals is an abomination to the Egyptians and they will kill us. That means that for 400 years, 
they were doing something other than worshiping God. You have to have something. See, when you begin to offer something of worth or something that is acceptable to God, then that's what begins to draw his presence. And it could be a song, but it has to be the truth that God reveals should stimulate the response of an offering. I hope you all understand what I'm saying. You got to worship in spirit and truth. The Holy Spirit has to, has to ignite it through revelation of who God is. The truth of, is a revelation of God. And then how you respond by giving him an offering is what draws the presence of God. And I was outside this room. And I read something in the scripture and God showed me something that I had never seen. And I'm telling you, my heart was so uh, 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 blessed by that. And I'm like, oh God. And I just began to, out of what he shared with me, I began to just praise him with the fruit of my lips. I gave him an offering of praise. And the presence of God came into that entire environment. And so this rank sinner I know came bounding out of the office and walking down the hall, and it took about three steps. And he stopped. And then he leaned up against the wall and he started walking down the hall with his back against the wall. And as he got closer, hey man, hey man, he said, you down there praying, man? I said, yeah, he said, I know, man. I felt them vibes, man, I felt them vibes. See, if we would approach my job as my mission field, and, and, and that God helped me, to, helped me to do things in excellence. Let, let me be there on time. Let me not steal. You know, I'm not talking about y'all, but in some places I've been, folks get there late and sign in for the time they're supposed to be there. You know, people wait and they have a program, you know, that their church is putting on, and after everybody leaves, they print the program on the computer at the, uh, at the job. Or people got pins and things from the ABC Corporation all over their house. I'm just saying, you know, let's, let's be a little more excellent than that. Amen. 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 But see it as your mission field that I've been planted here by the Lord Jesus Christ and that there are other people that have been planted here by the devil and if I don't do what my responsibility is, then I am yielding the influence of this pillar to darkness. Amen. You are a deliverer. You are a world changer. You have a life that wins on the inside of you. And God has planted you in a particular area for you to allow that life to begin to influence where he has you so that darkness cannot overcome it, it cannot quench it, it cannot comprehend the light of God. Isn't that something? You are salt and light. And we have to understand that just because you're not behind the pulpit don't mean that you don't have a ministry and that you're not called to preach. Amen? But the first preaching you do is by your excellence on your job and by your lifestyle. And then when you witness, do it on your lunch break or after work. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. Last words. 
this world system has been condemned. It's unfit to live in. We're in another kingdom. We need to divorce ourselves from every vestige of that kingdom so that we can be in a place to call other people who are still in that system to come out. And as we begin to release the life of God, it will not only be proclamation, but it will be demonstration that there's a greater kingdom that is available to them. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that you would awaken us to the fact that you love the world. You loved it so much. And the world is just not the people, but it's also the systems that the people live in. For you came to seek and save that which was lost, not he that which lost. You came to redeem the authority and to redeem these pillars. And Jesus said that we've been planted in the world so that the values of your kingdom can be brought to bear. God, I pray that each and every person would change their attitude about their job, that we would no longer murmur and complain, but we would see it as a mission field, and that we would approach it that way, just like a person would if they had to preach a message that they will pray and seek God about what to share, that they would seek God about how can I, you know, be a blessing and a light to those that are on my job, Father, and that we would begin to do that. We could see such a change. God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Help us. Thanks for tuning in to the Kingdom Community Podcast. To learn more about us, including how to connect with our Kingdom community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. If you're enjoying this show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts so other listeners like you can be encouraged. We really appreciate that effort, and we hope you will join us again in the next episode of the Kingdom Community Podcast.